0: Welcome to Deadly Discussions. I'm your host Isaac Harrison, a podcast about social entrepreneurship. Uh, before you start, I'd like to thank the traditional landowners on whom lands we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. You there, Marty? Yeah,
1: I'm here. Thanks, Isaac. Now, good, afternoon. Good afternoon.
0: good afternoon. good afternoon. So I know with this one, I usually record in the morning, first thing. But you throw me out of routine, and we're doing it in the afternoon. So let's hope it still keeps that same uh, energy and feel, which I I don't think it will. So thanks for coming. I
1: think on. I think there's better uh, better lighting in the afternoon. So
0: that's right. Yeah, it's better. And usually this time of the year in Melbourne, it's supposed to be cold. Um, so what's really confusing is when you're driving here and it's thirty three degrees, um, and we are at the end of towards the end of April so that's um being a Queenslander again I'm still working out how the weather actually works down here because it seems to just have its own mind
1: well, that's how you know you're a Melbourneian is when you've you've given up on the weather
0: you've given up you've just given up <laughs> you just go with the flow and yeah I've, I've had tips from other Melbournians about carrying different clothing articles in my car just in case it were to take a drastic change. So, it is a bit of a, a unique place, but a beautiful place, and there's pros and cons, I suppose. So. Indeed. Indeed. So, Marty, you are a mechanic... Oh, I can't even say... can't even talk. Afternoon, see? What have we done? <laughs> um, you are a mechanical engineer, and you currently work uh, for a company called Black Stump, Black Stump, uh, well, I'll let you explain it, but as far as I know, we're offering solutions to remote communities and and a large portion of these communities um, are Indigenous um, mm-hmm. and not just Indigenous Australians. We're talking Papua New Guinea, we're talking Fiji, we're talking Micronesia. Um, so do you want to share a little bit about Black Stump? Or actually, before we go that how about you share a bit of your story and why you got into mechanical engineering in the first place?
1: All right, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot, Isaac um i suppose i came to my current role in a very uh wiggly fashion let's say uh to be honest i I suppose i was quite lucky i grew up um with my father yeah um working in the company that i now work for Herc refrigeration yeah well he uh he joined the company actually the year i was born in 84 um as a as a draftsman and um he's been working there ever since yeah! Wow. And uh, yeah, so as he kind of, uh, you know, progressed through the company, I started popping in there now and then on uh, on school on school days. I had a day off. I'd yep. pop in there and do some work. Yep. Which was, uh, of course, sweeping the flat factory floor. So,
2: yeah, to be honest.
1: My introduction to the industry was was a fairly negative one early on. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I swore I would never join. I'd never follow my father's footsteps wow. because. My impression of the job was it's simply uh, sweeping floors. But, you know, that, I think that speaks to uh, experience. You know, of course, I didn't yeah. know, you know anything back then. And, um, of course, my, That's, my understanding of it changed a lot
0: back then. I'm exactly the same. My mum did a lot of project management for Queensland Health. Um, after school, we'd find ourselves at her office, which used to be a... Old hospital, in particular, that area is where they kept the dead bodies and they Mm. renovated it. So, our experience was going to a cold old Queenslander um, for about three hours after school. And we didn't have internet or iPads back in those days. So, me and my two brothers definitely had to become very resourceful with what we could Mm. find, which was... um, cricket in the hallways with paper balls um, it was shooting hoops with the paper bins so yeah I can understand and I said to myself I will never work in public service
2: and mm-hmm.
0: Bunjul's majority of her customers are in the public service so <laughs> there yeah, we go right.
1: it's funny isn't it I mean I think a lot of that and um, I think I I think we all kind of struggle with this uh, after school when we leave yep. you you get a feeling at school that you you know, you're gonna you choose your career, you're gonna go study and yep. your path will open up before you. But um, you know, there's a few I think there's a there's a small number of people that do find a passion really yep. early and their path is, is set out for them in a way which that, that they enjoy. But um yep. yeah, I think for a lot of people you really struggle if you haven't found that calling straight away to to, to think, you know, what is a good use of my time or what are, what am I gonna do with myself. So
0: Yeah, and I I agree like um, I know that you've spent time abroad and I would also like to share in a lot of um, cultures, um, especially Southeast Asia and Asia, um, we're looked at because we have a lot of liberties in a Western nation, but that's Mm. our greatest strength. But it's also our greatest weakness because Mm. we have too many choices to choose from. And we, you know, if you chase, what's the saying? Chase two rabbits, you get none. Mm. And I think a lot of times we yeah come into life and we sort of think the world is your oyster we sort of think whatever i think of in my head I, i'll become but you know as much as i want to be an astronaut i just will never become an astronaut you know as much as i want to be elon musk it will not yeah. happen i just don't have that iq <laughs> so yeah i think
1: that's right i think um i mean i think you know eventually i mean i've come to a place now in my role or in my work where of course i want to do more but i'm i'm very satisfied with it but yeah. And I think you can get there if there's, you know, if, you, if there's something you want to do. But I think, yeah, looking if you haven't got a, a strong idea of what that is, then getting out and getting a wide range of experiences is, is great because you it's all um, life experience. And I guess to yeah. wrap up my background, the I guess my strength is through the various roles I've done throughout the world, yeah, and um, the the learning I've done from that, um, which has has led me to where I am now. So
2: yeah.
1: Um. I guess, just to backtrack a bit, um, so I knew I didn't want to follow my father's footsteps. Yep. And uh, I went overseas quite quickly after finishing high school and traveled for a while. Yep. Until, um, of course, I reached a point where I thought, well, I need to do something with my life, and, and yep. went back to university and uh, yeah, studied wow. international business and uh, didn't art degree in Japanese. Yep. And uh, again, just one of those things, I was signing up for the business degree, and the lady said, um, you know, you can couple this with another degree. It only costs yep. you an extra year and no extra money. Yeah. And um, again, I was ignorant enough to say yes. And
2: yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so that again was another, you know, I never imagined myself going to Japan. Yeah. I was studying Japanese. My my high school teacher would definitely, um, you know, definitely have a shock to know that I uh, pursued that because I certainly <laughs> wasn't the star pupil, star pupil at high school. Yeah.
2: Wow. Um, wow.
0: But yeah,
1: that was another very. You know different culture to australia and a very uh, very
0: yeah. eye-opening experience to yeah i was that. gonna say what what was that like being immersed in another culture you know the way they have their their beliefs and their family and the way they look at mm. finance you know i know companies like toyota and fujitsu you know we often plan two three years out in the business um they're, they're talking 20 30 years They're talking, you know, the next generation taking over CEOs and CFOs. Is that sort of something you sort of saw over there?
2: Uh,
1: I suppose my experience was, so I was in education working over there, so I I suppose I I couldn't speak to the big, um, yeah those big multinationals. Yeah. But I guess the biggest differences in the professional space I I noticed was, um, yeah, kind of, there's really two sides to things in, you know, in my, my personal experience anyway was that, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of innovation around and yeah. um, they do fit like, a, let's see, some things I, I suppose, you know, Japan has a reputation for being quite cutting edge and new technology yeah. and putting those that new technology um, into, yeah, sure. into application, which was true. But on the flip side of that, I saw a lot of, um, I suppose, working by rote so a lot of things yeah. in my experience were done there because that's the way they were done and yeah. the, a critical thinking approach was not often
2: yeah, uh, wow. applied. yeah
1: so I think it, at the start that was quite jarring but again as you yeah. uh, as you learn more about the culture and and actually a bigger picture of how things work yeah you know there's reasons for that too so that feeds into the harmony of the workplace and it's different ways to managing you know say conflict or even just uh, yeah, yeah, an innovative okay. idea yeah um but again you need to you need to develop an understanding and some yeah. and um respect for yeah the work culture there i suppose oh, Yeah. okay and um you know like everything like um speaking french in france the more you can know and understand the more you can uh you can get along and understand
0: yeah of course of course yeah, there'll be so mm. many elements we didn't know and you know, I love history, and I know in in World War Two, at the end, you know Japan pretty much decided that they were going to be the one of the biggest, wor- you know, world's steel manufacturer and car manufacturer, and the country mm. has no steel. So you know, there's decisions that countries make that, and all we see, you know, winding forward in the future is that's where all the you know, where Sony comes from, that's where all the mm. cutting edge technology comes on, but um, Japan those generations ago decided to be that powerhouse and they pursued yeah. it and they put in place, you know, they planned the future and they brought the whole community together. And I suppose if you actually go over there, you'll see some of those old ways and traditions that they would have had still there. You know, like in China, when went to Hong Kong, I couldn't get over all the bamboo scaffolding. Mm. I thought they're building these buildings like, and you know, they're building cities of no one in them and they got bamboo scaffolding, you know. Yeah. So, but if it works, you know, if it That's ain't broke, right. if it right. ain't broke, so um that's great mate. So you obviously saw your dad, you, he's in a trade, he's a trades background, um, and you're like, you know, I'm gonna did you feel like I'm not really made for the tools or that sort of uh, Yeah, I
1: did to be honest. So you're yeah. quite right, he he's from a trade background. Yeah. Um his claim to fame was working back on the V eight engines and
0: uh, yeah, as an okay. army
1: mechanic is where he cut his teeth. Yeah. Um
0: That's pretty but cool yeah, though. That's my, pretty my cool. Interest-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He he tells a few good stories there. <laughs> And uh, he's always been handy helping me fix the car, and you know that's the truth of it is uh yep. yeah, I didn't follow I didn't get that passion he was um he was tinkering with cars, pulling things apart as a kid, yep. and yeah that I didn't follow down that that pathway, yep. so, yeah, I spent a bit of time, I spent a lot of time overseas, twenties and thirties, yep. uh, a lot of travelling, a lot of working in hospitality, yeah um and again, I'll say, you know it didn't of course it didn't really help me in terms of career progression directly. Yep. Yep. again it's it's about that wiggly worm you know I, you, you become good at networking you meet yep. a lot of different people from a lot of different cultures and you learn how to interact with them yeah um and get a good kind of base you know base
2: yeah, understanding of, of the world yeah
1: um different work cultures again this is a you know talking in very broad generalizations here but there is there is a work culture difference between australia and say again a place i spent a lot of time was in yep. in france in terms yep. of. What's expected? Like, what is the relationship between an employer and employee?
2: Yeah, of course. Um,
1: I think again, I can only speak to the place I work yep. at. But one big, you know, one big thing I noticed culturally is um, the Australian people I worked with. You have more of a collab, a collaboration approach. Yeah. Um, you expect to be treated more like friends, or as a friend, yeah. less like formal structure. Where, of course, in France structure is much more formal, so you yep. call your, your supervisor Mr X instead of
2: Yeah, John. wow. Yeah.
1: Um or John things around the clock, you know, like clocking yep. on, clocking off. Yeah. Strictly finished at five o'clock. Whereas
2: yep.
1: the guys from my background um would would be more focused on the job. So you you finish a yeah, job whether that's yeah. you you finish finish five done. or six. Yeah. Um but you haven't because they come from a more collegiate relationship with the employer. Yeah. Whereas um yeah, the French, in my experience, had a much more of a, a you know, antagonistic approach. Yeah, you make a contract, and that's all the good. You know, that's what you stick yeah, to. Yeah, of so
0: course. Again, um,
1: they have their plus and minuses both approaches, but it's about you know knowing that. And yep. yeah, I think learning those things were really
0: valuable. Definitely, um, I was going to say I was going to tie that into um, what you're doing now. So you want to explain a bit about Black Stump because I know you're working with different Indigenous people groups, and uh, mm. yourself being you know white Australian. Um, but you've had these other cultural experiences. Do you want to tie on what Black Stump is and how you've taken those learnings to sort of understand, um, you know, indigenous people's cultures? Because I know the, the mindset behind what we do is I take enough mm. for now. You know, I take enough fish for now for the family or mm. this, I take this bungaroo, this turtle for now. I take, um, you know, enough from the bush here. I take some yams from here for now and then tomorrow and I know how long that, you know, will last. Essentially, the yeah. earth is the granary store. And do you want to explain yeah, right. what Black Stumps does and then how you've sort of had to learn about the different communities, especially out in the islands like Papua New Guinea?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Stump Technologies is, a I guess, a sister company to, to Herc. Yeah. Um, it grew out of the R&D work we did Um marrying, I guess, our refrigeration technology with deployable energy. Yep. Um, we started working on it, well, we've been doing R&D for a long time, but it became serious after uh, about 2009, I think we had tsunamis coming through our, our region. Yep. And a lot of reports of you know, people, no water, no food, no medicine, and a real lack of, I guess, access to a cold chain Yeah. Uh, being a problem after these events. Yep. So that's where we we developed our deployable refrigeration systems, deployable solar powered coal chains, uh, and and created the company Blackstump to to further develop and then uh, you know market yeah. market these products. Yep. Um, so yeah, you're quite right. We do a lot of work in indigenous communities throughout Southeast Asia, um, yep. mainly because again a lot of the a lot of these communities are in places that rely on diesel fuel. Yep. Whether that be for you know diesel genset for power, diesel powered refrigeration, yep. or um, perhaps they, they just don't get access at all. So, a lot of our work with these communities is providing them access to a cold chain. Of course, it brings health benefits. Um, we can store medicines, food, and water. But as well, it yep. kind of opens up a, a market for them. If they can get access you know to a cold chain and sell yep. fish. Or we've spoken about kangaroo harvesting. You and I are back in the past. Yeah. Um, but to get to your point, I guess the biggest thing I learned from all that exposure was that, you know, I think um, there might have been a Greek fellow who said this much better than me. That I only know that I don't know anything, you know. So, yeah. um, and particularly, uh, particularly uh, Australian Indigenous communities, yep. people. I have to say that when I think back, when I think back to school, yeah, you know that we didn't learn as a as a as a as a white fellow, and particularly the yep. area I grew up. Um, you, we don't, you're not really exposed to indigenous culture where I grew up. Yeah, of course. Um, and you don't learn about it. You know, there's a couple of pages in the textbook and yep. straight away you move on to World War One, and
2: it's yeah, never mentioned yeah. again. So yeah.
1: I feel sharply, actually, that, um, you know, I have perhaps a better understanding of the Roman Empire than I do of the, the history of our own country.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: but, again, I'm, I'm lucky that thanks to my work, I'm, I, I do now get exposed to this and... Yeah. Um. I think a lot of Australians are actually waking up to the, the their Indigenous history or our shared history. And,
2: yeah, um, of course. Yeah,
1: it's actually one of the, the things that bring me passion to this business. Or in this business is uh, is getting to learn about that. So I'd say I'm on a very steep learning curve.
0: With, yeah, I know um, you are. Cause you tell them. me all the time about uh, the different encounters you've had and and the different stories. And I, I like what you said. It is a shared story when people get here because the Mindset, the way we work, the the way we look at things. You know, people joke about mm. walkabout, but really, um, for four weeks of the year, a lot of Australians go walkabout and they pack up the camper right, caravan yeah. and drive out to the bloody Wilson's Prom Quite and right. um, live indigenous for about three weeks, and then get angry they have to go back to civil <laughs> civilization and doing inverted yeah, commerce. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that's ingrained with us. And and more and more times, I hear people share that they have indigenous ancestry and they want to. Mm pursue that and um, it doesn't mean they're going to live in the bush you know but it means they're wanting to know um, you know we all have different qualities and people call it throwbacks and different um, personalities mm. that can come from different cultural um, practices so yeah it's really good to hear um, tell me more um, P&G so yep. I know you're looking at some of the cold storage solutions what's some of the issues they have over there in the island with you know if they went fishing and had to mm. go and sell that at a market like, what's the issue there? Because people think PNG is like one island, but really it's yeah. like, you know, a lot well, it's of
1: islands. Uh, no, part of Papua New Guinea, yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of islands. I mean, Australians will be aware of, of course, Manus Islands. Yeah. Uh, part of Papua New Guinea. Yeah. You've got uh, the island of East New Britain, uh, New Ireland as well, and, of course, many smaller islands all around that area. Yeah. Um, I would say that what I see anyways in our work is... Uh, for example, on the coastline, yeah, lowlands, you have a lot of fishing communities and still yep. um, subsistence fishing. Yep, in a lot of respects. In the yep. highlands, they do inland fishing. Telepia is the type of fish
0: they wow. grow
2: in
1: dams there. Really? And um, of course.
0: And that's a native. That's a native fish.
1: It's not a native fish. I think it was originally from. Uh, I think they're called Nile perch
0: in okay.
2: other
1: parts of the world, but yep. um, bloody good eating. Yeah. If you got a if you got a Papua New Guinea and he knows he knows what he's doing. Yep. Yep. So I've had a few meals there with with uh plantain and, and yams and it's absolutely oh,
2: delicious. Yeah.
1: Um and then also of course the agriculture in the highlands, they've been farming there for you know, it's one of the only places in the world where agriculture is actually native. Yeah. Um to very yeah. advanced agriculture and silviculture as well. Yep. Yep. Um so they're experts. They're experts at the growing, the issue is is in the is in the transport to market. Yeah, um, it's extremely mountainous. Yeah, um, terrain, lots yep. of jungle, and the the infrastructure there is not great. So the biggest challenge we see is the farmers can grow. what yep. they can't do is get it to the market. Yeah, well. um, in a timely fashion. So that's where our equipment um, really fills a hole there. Yeah, the, the farmers can be provided with 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 a cold chain. Um, of course, being solar powered. Um, it means there's no there's no uh, running expense, no operational expense for the businesses. Yeah. And so what we try to do is form co-ops between these communities. They'll act, and the co-op will act as a kind of aggregator for the for the produce, or perhaps the let's say the fish if they're using an ice yeah, machine.
2: Yeah.
1: And they'll be able to aggregate that stock, build enough up, store it until they've got enough to get it to market and yep. transport it down to Port Moresby or to to lay. Yep. Uh, and sell their produce so it's it's of course you get benefit to the farmer yeah now stuff has has an income but the other thing is um particularly port moresby and lay they actually import a lot of their fresh fruit and veggie from brisbane what um no just way because they you know there's farms up in the highlands yep. there the crow flies not even 100 yep. kilometers away but
2: yeah
0: so wow. it's
1: easier to get it from bris which again the price is up on fresh food yeah,
0: yeah, yeah fresh pay for that. so So, yeah. Wow. So, it sounds like a lot of the indigenous communities that, you know, we deal here, you know, we've got the Kakadu Plum and um, the Kalani Station that we're looking at as well with uh, Black Stump and Bunjil, uh, Mm. the company that I'm involved with. Um, And what it seems to be the case is land rich, but cash poor, you know, like I've got all the land opportunity, but Mm -hmm. it's just that final piece of the puzzle, which is that injection of capital. To see it work, and I I suppose that's why me and you are doing what we do, both running social enterprises, and you know the emphasis is not we have a charity on the side, we chuck a bit of profit in. It's the very core of our business is to give back, to empower, and to bring sustainable futures to these communities that we work in. And you're right. um,
1: I mean, you're right. I think that's why we work so well together. We're passionate about that, and I think. Yeah, you know, it's no longer the technical solution. Now is worked out. It really is a, yeah. as one of of capital, as you say, and it's. I think, you know, bringing that access, yeah. um, creates, you know, creates um, creates opportunities for them, and that's what I want to say. I think one one thought that's coming to mind now, and not just PNG yeah. but Indigenous Australia as well, is. You know, you hear a lot about impacted communities and communities, um, sometimes uh, in their dealings with say uh, the gold miners or people that bought the mining rights yeah. to their land. Yeah, that that's that's a finite uh, resource there. Yeah,
2: that's and right. And
1: you see a lot about what you know what's going to happen when the mine moves on.
2: Yeah, and again, it's
1: providing this sustainable. Solution, so they can live off the renewable resources on their land. So yeah, be that kangaroo, right. be that fish. Yeah. manage them sustainably, yeah. sustainably as they did traditionally. Yeah, uh, as well as participating yeah. in the, you know, in a, in a, in the economy, in the market economy. Yeah.
0: And we've, you know, we've talked about it. It is it is finite, and it brings a big, you know, injection into the economy. But like you said, the uh, the indigenous people have been farming. P and G even shows it's still got a lot of that intact farming Mm. rice, yams, harvesting um, kangaroo uh, for thousands of years with no issues. Now all of a sudden we've got issues from an economy that we created ourselves centered around mining. You know, our tourism, Mm. uh, you know, my tribe, Cubby Cubby, Sunshine Coast, we have 9 million people visit there yearly and they did a survey and 3% of those people said they would love to have uh, indigenous or indigenous overnight experience and we just don't have it because Mm, um, it was never really uh, encouraged, it was sort of confrontational, you know, if you're going up Mm. to sites in areas like Budrum where my great-great-grandfather had land and was taken off him when he went to Brisbane because my great-great-grandmother gave birth, she died in labour, he came back after a couple of months on horse, mind you, in carriage back to <laughs> Budhram and his land was taken because it was derelict at the time, they said. Mm. Um, th- those sort of stories are confrontational. No one wants to know that their land used to own to someone, you know, and got taken okay. off. So, yeah, it is a process, I think, for all all of us Australians and making sure that we have a future, a shared future together. Um, we're running out of time, which I thought would happen because me and you... Talk really well. Um in five to ten years, Marty, where are you? Yeah. Where's Black Stump? Are you living in Micronesia? Are you gonna be living
1: Yeah, to be honest, um yeah, a big part I like about my job now is the is problem solving with communities. So I love um you know, most recently get a chance to fly up to Papua New Guinea and meet with with yep. the local landholders there and, yep. and talk to them face to face. And again we you know, we're trying to we provide this equipment but all that does you know, that provides a possibility
2: Yeah. and then creating
1: the right. solution is a, is a team effort. So, yep. you know, the problem solving. So, you know, these guys are, for example, again, this fishing, fishing community out in Millon Bay, they're expert yep. fishermen, not so much experience with accounting because yep. it's just they don't get the same education that we've had. So, building a business plan with them, uh, yep. arranging supply contracts with other local businesses and then seeing the, the business grow and prosper on its own is, is what gets me out of bed.
0: So Yeah, it's amazing
1: um and why you know that's why black stump exists and that's why yep. we work together so in five years i'd love to be just doing more of that <laughs> engaging with communities yep. and seeing these sustainable and i'm sure, like I'm sure you
0: will be marty sure
1: um and aside from that aside from that i think um just maybe just an increase in the awareness of of, of the richness of our of our history our shared history yep. and um Indigenous, well, coming back to Australian Indigenous culture in general, um, I think uh, Bunjil does a good job of raising you know, raising awareness. Thanks, mate. Especially in our, in our neck of the woods, and that can only be a good thing.
0: Awesome. And uh, as I told you before, I'll be playing at Richmond Footy Club tomorrow, the Yidaki, the didgeridoo. And uh, I'll leave that open for you to say, go Tigers, because that's what you Victorians <laughs> love to do.
1: Yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> <better> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome, mate. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I know uh, my sound engineer has does a lot of work in Southeast Asia and I'm, I think he's written down a few ideas to follow you up on now. I can see him thinking. so. But it was really awesome to have you on, mate, and I look forward to uh, talking to you soon.
1: Thanks, Isaac. Thanks for, thanks for the opportunity and uh, great job with the podcast. Keep it up, mate.
0: Cheers. Thanks, mate. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye bye Right, bye